0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hashtag No Limits. I'm your host, Shelley Kino. Hashtag No Limits is about people that society puts limits on, but who have busted through those limits. Ophelia said in Hamlet, we know what we are, but not who we may be. I believe this to be true and that there is no better example than the caterpillar turning into the butterfly the caterpillar literally dissolves into its cells and reforms as a butterfly. As the butterfly emerges from the cocoon, it has to struggle in order for its wings to be strong enough to fly. Obviously, this is no easy process, but neither is breaking through limits that society has set upon a person. But just like the caterpillar, when we believe in ourselves, we can accomplish more than others might think if we have a support system around us to encourage and facilitate our growth, even better. One area where I have seen societal and educational limits is on children who are nonverbal and who have a specific learning disability. And that brings me to my guest today, my friend, Courtney Burnett. Courtney is a mom, wife, SLPA, entrepreneur, fellow master IEP coach, escape room, attendee escapee <laughs> and a bill maker. Welcome Courtney and thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me. I love that both of our kind of our logos are butterflies but I've never heard it um, broken down like that. I was drawn to the butterfly because it's one of the symbols of um, cerebral palsy which my daughter has but ah. I've seen you break down the the process there. I think it's kind of unique and fun that we both kind of are attracted to the butterfly. So that was fun.
0: Yeah, good. I'm glad you like that. Yeah. The butterfly just when I learned about the how the caterpillar goes to the butterfly, I was like, oh my gosh. And whoever would have thought that a little squirmy caterpillar would turn into a majestic butterfly. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's the whole purpose of of the hashtag no limits is because we never know what tomorrow holds. And we certainly don't know what five years or ten years down the road holds for anybody, um, whether that's you know um, somebody who doesn't have a disability who's you know could end up with one for various reasons, or someone who has a disability and then you know because of advances and, and pushing through things that um, people blockades that people have put in front of them or that they have in front of them because of their own disabilities, it's amazing. Um, I've seen so many of my students change so drastically in the amount of time that I've known them. It's just, it's just a wonderful thing. So Courtney, you talked about your daughter. Tell us more about yourself and your family. Well, we
1: live here in Arizona. We've been here a long time. It's weird to think about. So this is really has become our home. Um, my husband and I grew up in Seattle area and we moved out here with when our girls were um, three and one. And now my daughter is 16 and 14. My daughters are 16 and 14. So it's kind of crazy. And through my daughter's journey, I I started out as a preschool teacher. I worked at Head Start and ECAP and different state um. And federal programs for preschool. And then when my daughter was born, I I started taking sign language classes. And then I started trying to take some other classes at the college. And my husband was like, hey, did you know there's actually like a whole (laughs) degree in that? You can get a (laughs) certificate, and there's a job shortage in that field. And so it kind of morphed into me taking the classes to try to help my daughter. And then it ended up. Bringing me into a new career that I love, so I work as a speech assistant here in Arizona, and that's been an adventure, um, and it's <laughs> a lot of fun. But over the last few months, it really has been an adventure adapting to telehealth and different things that that my clients have needed. But um, we've come through, and uh, I did. You mentioned a bill. Um, we worked on a bill here in Arizona that got passed in. 2019 um, that is universal changing table f- for people. And it really speaks to what you were talking about earlier, how some people are born with a disability and some people um, through a car accident or different things are n- needed. And so this bill really addresses the, um, Oh, we're spinning. Oh, you yeah, have a picture. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, on your Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That was the day where they took the vote. Um, so we are waiting to see, but it really addresses the need for changing tables through, um, you know, having babies and then through adulthood. And we even had some veterans come to us and, and say, Hey, it's not something I really speak about. It's, um, you know, very personal. Um, But they need it as well. And so this would be in publicly funded buildings, there would be at least one accessible changing table that can hold up to, I believe, 300 pounds or something like that. So the the verbiage is there. And then um, we're working on that. So we had an arena um, who who wasn't affected by the bill actually um, put one in. And it was really sad because they put it in and we're getting ready to to launch it. And then um, all this stuff started happening. So I think it got debuted for like a concert or a hockey game. And so (laughs) I know when things resume, (laughs) it will be waiting. Um, And it was really, really exciting to um, have that. So that was really fun to use the different advocacy skills that we've learned um, and put them to use in in that way. Because I think a lot of people, I don't know, I think the, I know I did that, it was complicated that um, that you know, at moms, you know, what can I do to change it? And the really right. the truth is, um, we we passed our bill in ninety days, and, and that was really unheard of. Usually, um, this is what's crazy. It usually, takes about a million dollars and two to three years to get wow. something um, all the way through. We did not have a million dollars. I know you're shocked. <laughs> Um, uh, no, you didn't just have we that did your not, we did not, and um, so and we were like, they're like, Oh, who, who, who you're lobbying with, and you know, who's who, who are you lobbying for? And I was like, Well, well we're not lobbyists, we're moms, <laughs> and then we became, um, that's what it is you go down and you lobby for your cause, right. um, and what was really cool is, um, I don't know if you, or if you have another picture up your sleeve, um, but there is <laughs> one on um, my Facebook page where all of these families from across the state, I still get goosebumps, um, drove three, four hours, to come and they spoke at the different committees and it was raining and we all gathered outside um, and it like never rains here and it was like pouring down rain right in Arizona. <laughs> we didn't care. We're like getting our picture and there's all these families and they had kids um, with uh, varying needs and communication devices and they came to the committee to um, have their voices heard and so. I do really encourage people to get involved in in their local, you know, city and um, state stuff because you can make a difference by, and we just, it took on a life of its own that I didn't really anticipate. And then it just, people were like, yes. And then people who had never thought about, I think that's another thing when it comes to different disabilities and different things that people have, if it doesn't personally affect you, I think it's easy to think that it's not a problem or to just not be aware of it because, um, it doesn't, it's not affecting you, you know, right. um, this was exciting. This was actually after the vote. So we just found out that it was going to get sent over. So it gets voted on one half and then gets sent over. So we are all really, really excited. Um, So that brings back really good memories. (laughs) So you can totally do it. And I think we just became a voice, but that's what we heard over and over again was um, I never thought about that. And now that Mm -hmm. I know about it, because the thing that they didn't think about is where do you change people who still need that type of assistance Mm -hmm. um, when the traditional bathroom no longer works for them. And when they found out that parents were changing them on, dirty bathroom floors and laying down towels or different pads or trying to change them in the back of our minivans. Some parents Mm -hmm. set up little, um, personal tents at rest areas and all those different things. And then as my parents started taking care of my grandma, my mom started realizing what happens when you're out and you're trying to help your, your, um, Parent and they have an accident and different things that might happen. And so my mom starts seeing this spectrum of, you know, aging and then disability mm-hmm. and coming back as a, a wounded vet and different things that it really affects a lot of people. And it just happened to be moms um, of kids with profound medical needs that were out kind of being the face of it. But behind the scenes, we were getting messages from. Has been starting to take care of their wives as they age and saying please fight for this um and then veterans are reaching out to us so it was really cool but to think that um i know we kind of got off track here shall i, I took over no, um, this
0: is absolutely part <laughs> of what i wanted to talk about yeah
1: and i think um to tie it into a person who has a learning disability who had trouble writing and spelling and all these things that I, for a very long time let define, Uh, I I was embarrassed or worried about spelling the wrong thing, putting the wrong thing. People would think I was dumb because that's something that kids would say in school, you know, you're so dumb, you know, and those things that you people say really do stay with people. Absolutely. I teach my kids like words have power because they really do. They can. You, you're almost, I'm almost 40 and I can still like, you know, let it go. <laughs> it's, but it's still there. And so I think for me, like writing uh, for this, writing speeches, speaking in front of people, um, even, so for me, like a lot of people will have notes. I do have notes, but usually I can't read them because when I try to look down, my eyes have a really hard time tracking. So a lot of the times um, I just have to, write it and then try to memorize it the best I can because in the moment that's going to actually mean nothing to me (laughs) it's like yeah I can't look down and read it um and so speaking on a live stream so it was anything anytime you go to a committee or down at the capitol it's it's streamed and archived that's very intimidating that anybody in your state can log on and hear you at that exact moment um saying whatever you're saying so it was a growth experience for sure and um, overcoming even some of those things but I had my daughter come and she used her communication device and at the end of my public comments I asked if if um, I could share some of my time with her and she actually um, had a pre-recorded button of a message and it said uh, please support this bill and give me dignity and you could have heard a pin drop in that room when um, Hannah played it. And then it was really awesome because there was actually a special ed teacher there. So he was helping me with her um, as I was trying to That's speak. That's fabulous. And yeah, he just jumped right in. He's like, oh, I know this, okay. And he had it like already <laughs> um, for us. So that was really cool. And just really, again, saying you can do that. You you don't have to say I'm just a mom or I'm just a dad or I can't do this or that. It's really whatever you decide you want to do. Um, and you can set your mind to it. So it was really cool to get it past and have such, um, both sides of the aisle working together, which is pretty rare. Yeah. Um, no matter what state you're in. <laughs> right, <laughs> and, exactly. And it was, uh, really cool to see how many, um, minds that were opened up and even changed because yes there was this bill but i really hope that when they're looking at other bills that they'll think of our kids and they'll think of the people that it's it's impacting in other ways with community planning and funding for other services that they use now they're going to have all these um faces and that's what i did i printed off so each kid held up each person who was affected by not having a changing table made a sign and then I went and printed them off and then I put them in each, um, legislator's box. So and then on voting day, one of them held up uh, a picture of my friend's daughter, Macy, and said, this vote is for Macy. And she voted yes. And it was a vote that we weren't sure we would have, um, because right. it was, a. Uh, It's a bill that costs money. So anytime you're doing a bill that costs money, (laughs) there can be some um, arguments there. So it was really great to see her hold up those pictures and so really helping people put a face to the situation.
0: Yeah, that's that's so amazing. And as you were talking about, you know, changing your child in the back of a van or something that brought me back to my teaching days when I would take um, some of my students on field trips, excuse me. And I had some that needed to be changed. And we um, yeah, I mean, trying to find a place to change them. And I would often drive my own vehicle because I have a van and then when we could take a break, we would go to my van and we would change the students because there just wasn't the right facility anywhere near us in order to be able to do that. So I have a
1: little visitor, sorry.
0: That's okay. Oh, okay, go ask
1: that. I'm, I'm streaming live right now. No, I don't want to ask you to get home. <laughs> okay, okay, I can't help you right now. So if, you're, if your kids are doing online learning from home, you you can start to understand <laughs> <laughs> everything going on here. I have a dog, three kids learning online, all this great stuff happening.
0: So is school back in session in Arizona? It is.
1: It is. Oh, wow. Yes. We were actually, we kind of on a semi year round. Oh, okay. um, so we actually were supposed to be back in July and oh, then it got... Push back, so we. I don't know why we start. No one understands. It's like it's 115, 118. <laughs> no one knows, um, and so we kind of have two week spring break, two week fall break, two week, and then like kind of almost like a six to eight week summer versus mm-hmm. like the ten. So um, yeah, so we pushed it, the governor pushed it back, and then people started online, and then. We're kind of in this, we're starting online, hopefully in person. Um, and we're kind of in a waiting game. They're supposed to be releasing these matrix today uh, or tomorrow about the safety, whatever, whatever needs to be in place for in person. And so schools are kind of like, okay, we're going to get started because they already adjusted their calendars once. So then <laughs> we just started with online. And then yeah. they're like, and we'll keep you posted. Um, and we're kind of like in this holding game of that. Yeah. So it's an adventure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I have family in Indiana and, um, they went back to school this week. They started on Monday. Um, and I haven't had a chance to talk to them. I'll, I'll be talking to them tomorrow night and, uh, I'm curious to see how it's going and what what my niece has to be doing when she's in class and all that kind of stuff. As I was um, running an errand this morning, I drove by a daycare in our area and the kids were all outside playing on the equipment and, you know, they were definitely not social distancing. So I thought, well, I guess if they can do it there, I guess they can do it in person at school, but I don't yeah, it's know. A, it's, a, it's been a hot topic for sure because
1: the the daycares have been open um, because, some people need to go to work, so it has to be somewhere for, to going. So that's definitely, um, and some of the schools are being used as child care. So that's definitely um, fueling some arguments for some parents of, hey, if it can be open for that. So, yeah, yeah. so it's definitely an adventure. And um, I think the hardest one um, really is and um, kind of goes into my daughter is that working her IEP and even though the school is trying. So I think it's important for, I think, I can't speak for every school, but I think most schools, most teachers are trying. It's just, um, for Hannah, It it, my daughter needs one-on-one support. Mm -hmm. She's in a self-contained classroom with um, two to three aides, plus a teacher with interventions that happen. Um, Very one-on-one support so for her it doesn't really anything they put on the google classroom we're gonna have to have one-on-one support so it's gonna be um that's the struggle a lot of families are having right now is if the parents are working and the child needs one-on-one support how are we really getting them that support um when they're supposed to be in school so that's something that is um Happening a lot <laughs> in my area right now. A lot of discussion yeah. about um, and getting creative, and I think that's also nervous, nerve wracking for the schools to do stuff they've never done before. And how do you keep your staff safe and support the kids that that need it? Right. So,
0: yeah. And how now, you as an SLPA, do you have your own business or do you work for school districts or who employs you?
1: Um, so I can, I, I have worked for a school district. I did for a long time. I really enjoyed it. And there was definitely some benefits of working the school district schedule, having summers off, mm-hmm. um, where I did end up going to, so it's kind of unique. So I'm contracted. Uh, I have my own business. So I'm a, I have an LLC. I'm contracted with an agency who's contracted with the department of disability. So certain companies go and make the bids for doing all the requirements for the state to have, um, to be a vendor essentially. And then I'm in, I'm employed by a vendor, which is okay. great. Cause I have my own business, but um, the company does the billing and the processing nice. and, and pays me and I'll have to do that part. Um, and then the kids here, in Arizona, um, have the department of disability here in Arizona is actually ranked pretty high. And I think it's the top five in the country for how they use their Medicaid dollars, uh, Medicaid and Medicare. Um, those are, I I never, the two funding forms for anyways, (laughs) how Arizona does it for children who have a, um, permanent and lifelong disability. Um, so Hannah has access to, um, habilitation where a provider will come in and work on goals for her life skills. We have access to um, therapies that are provided through that payer um, on a weekly basis, which is really phenomenal. And because of Hannah's um, severity, we actually, she's covered at a hundred percent through that, through that payer here in Arizona. So for us moving here was really quite a blessing because of the fact of how that is set up here in this state. So other people, they might call it a waiver or different things. So we don't necessarily have a wait list, but we have a shortage of providers. Um, so, you know, because it is, as I'm a contractor, um, a lot of the caregivers are contracted, so it doesn't come with the stability of sick leave and vacation and, and a lot of that. So it's, um, hard to find, um, long-term people who want to work with you long-term because a lot of times, and I, it's part of it. I love, I've had really great luck with college students. So we'll have like a four-year run. And um, because for a lot of them, most of the time they work with um, my daughter, particularly before or after school, so they could mm-hmm. go do their college classes and then come and be a provider. So if they're in school to be an occupational therapist, speech therapist, a special ed teacher, a nurse, this is a, actually a really good um, job for them that a lot of them um can really enjoy. And then it actually allows them to have some experience of saying, yeah, I have worked with a communication device. I have helped somebody in this way. So I've had good luck with, um, (laughs) I, so I raise them up and then they, they fly and they go (laughs) do their career. I, I have to find, um, another one, but that's that it is a blessing. So every state has kind of their, their pluses and the minuses with, with that for sure of how it's set up with that. So I work my own schedule. I pick my zip codes the days of the week I want to work. So the flexibility for me is essential because that's what I was running in when I worked at the school district is my husband's a teacher and I worked there as well. So getting the kids to doctor's appointments, taking Hannah to all her stuff became quite a challenge Um, because uh, some you know, some specialists only have openings on, they're only at this office on Tuesday. Right. Yeah. I know a lot of them can relate. Um, they come to that location on the second Thursday of the month. And so there's not necessarily a lot of um, give. So we were just kind of running into that um, can take a half day or a full day. And even though I didn't have a sub, that's how the structure set up in most school districts. Um, so it just became, a parent that I needed a lot more flexibility. So what's great with the job I have is I work with kids who have articulation um, issues, language to adults who are getting communication devices for the first time, who maybe only their parent or relative could understand them. Mm-hmm. And so it's really great to, so I work with three through I've had a 65 year old on my, my caseload. And so i um, wow getting them set up and like you were saying advances in um technology and even access to education so some of my adults were the first this is crazy to think about because if people don't know the history of our our country um and access to education if you had a severe disability they weren't allowed to go to school and it's actually a crime if a parent tried to force it so can you imagine it's just wild to think about I would yeah. be, I would have been arrested <laughs> because of <laughs> course I was want to go to school. Um, and so uh, you could actually be arrested for that. So some of my that's clients are, are the first kids allowed public education and went to school, but they didn't really know how to help them. So right. they were allowed to go. So I think about, um, and that's what I had to, to really help some of my clients uh, understand that help their parents understand. So I have one client who his mom can understand him, but um, no one else can because of his, right. such severe phonological processes, how he articulates these different things. It's really unintelligible unless you happen to know the topic and if you know him really, really well. So I had to help mom understand. And I think this is important for parents and caregivers as your child is aging is I said what happens when you're no longer here and he loses his only communication partner. I was just like, Oh, you're going to be like that. I was like, I'm just painting a picture (laughs) of why it's important that we get him access to things that weren't available when he was a teenager that weren't available. Mm. iPads with apps and communication devices weren't available. So, um, We got him started on one, got it qualified through the insurance and everything, and he took off like a rocket with it, and he's so proud of it. And just seeing him, and he likes to have cereal before bed, and so um, (laughs) his mom told me that he got one night, he got out his communication advice and said, I would like cereal, please. And um, she was like, what? She was just (laughs) stunned. Then we got it, found all the, made his own sentence and everything. And I'm thinking that's what's so important to be, him to be able to do that for anybody he's staying with, whoever um, he he goes to uh, a day program to be able to communicate with his providers. So that's the kind of fun job I have (laughs) in addition to being- a master IEP coach in helping families navigate the school system. I also help families navigate um, the department of disability and Medicaid and getting um, devices approved and different things like that as well. So it's really morphed into um, that. And so I can really see things from a lot of different angles of having a daughter who's on an IEP, um, having a husband who's a Jenna teacher and then me growing up on an IEP um, from second grade. And so kind of skip around a little bit. But to come back to that, I I always tell people I'm a product of a dedicated teacher, a Jenna teacher who saw um, a pattern of things of saying, OK, hey, this Courtney knew this yesterday. She doesn't know it on Friday. Right. She knows it. I could only. Um, so I was in second grade and could read five words.
0: Oh, uh, wow.
1: I, then they also discovered I had an eye, like I was saying, my, I went to eye therapy, which I don't even know if people know, you can go to eye therapy, but I had to do. I'm working on
0: telling (laughs) people.
1: Yeah. I went to a specialist and found out my eyes did not track together. So they actually didn't move together. Um, Mm -hmm. one would be on one line and my other eye would be on another line. (laughs) So that was also contributing to my inability to, um, Learn to read is. I would literally be trying to read two to three lines at a time, and my teacher would be like, "We're on line one," and I would be on like <laughs> line three, and I'd be reading, so the story wouldn't make sense either. Right. So she was able to, um, you know, get me started on the process through um, an evaluation at the school district, get me qualified, and then get me supports. And so I was that student that was probably actually for the most part, getting pretty good grades because of my willingness. Like I wanted to learn. I wanted to please the teacher. I wanted to do a good job. So even if it took me five hours, (laughs) I would, I would finish it. But, and then I would also become very frustrated when I got home. Like I had used up all my energy at school, trying to read, trying to do all the tasks. So I wasn't able to, um, hold it together very well at home. And so my mom was like, so relieved when she was like, I thought that we were struggling. I, you know, we were practicing reading. We were doing the, you know, the sight words and all of that. But really, because of my learning disability, it wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't um, retaining that. And so um, just really working through that with the school system was um, imperative. And then I I actually got held back. And so even though I always say that's a big decision that is not taken lightly, and I always say socially, that was the hardest thing that ever happened to me. But academically, I 100% believe that I couldn't have become the student I did if I didn't redo second grade, because at that point... I did not have the skills to go to third grade. And I also think this was in the 80s. So I think there's some leeway for more interventions now and yeah. more streamlined approach to different things. Um, but sorry, we're stretching out computers. We have all the things. Oh, happening. that's OK. <laughs> um, so just all of that, um, I, I didn't. didn't have the skills to move to third grade i didn't have the reading skills and all of that in place for to really move forward so i don't really know and i actually went back to the same teacher because she was like well now that i know what's happening and what she needs like let me have her again (laughs) and and we'll get her through it so that's what my my family did and so i you know I always tell people it really need to weigh it because it does have the the emotional component, the social, um, all of that happening. But I also understand that sometimes you need to do that so that you can really give, I felt like my parents made a difficult decision that gave me the foundation to be a successful student in school. And so I stayed on that all the way through high school, helped self-advocate and, um, a lot of information here but i didn't realize an iep doesn't follow you to college a lot of people don't realize that so what we really should have done was transitioned me to a 504. um a 504 can actually go to college um with you but luckily my um, professors i brought in my paperwork and went down to the note you can get assistance in college for note taking, and mm-hmm. and that's available. And a lot of people, um, again, may hold back, thinking, "Well, I barely got through high school; it was so hard. Right. Like, how am I right. going to get to college or even a trade school?" And a lot of times, if you go in and talk to them, they're going to have a uh, an office that helps you know, provide accommodations, get mm-hmm. people set up for whatever they need. And so luckily, because I had all of that, the things that I needed, they were able to do. And when I went to get my um, speech certificate, um, the office said they couldn't help me because they said I had to re-assess. Um, and I was like, well, you don't, you don't not have a learning disability because you're 25. You're right, right um, exactly. So at that point, I went to my professors and I say, you know, we had two kids. We were on a fixed income. Mm -hmm. I was trying to get through school. Um, I did not have money to go get reassessed to prove that I still have my disability. And so she was like, well, what do you need? And so I told her what I needed and they were accommodating. So I think that's another big tip I have for people is, you know, don't let, sometimes I think, not everybody, but some people have shame, like, I, I I should be able to do this. I'm 25, you know. Um, but the truth is that I still needed those accommodations to be successful. And once mm-hmm. I had them, I, I made it through. My big one is extra time on the test. Now, here's the, the really silly part. I never use the extra time. But if I don't have the extra time, the anxiety that I get of trying to process those the test and the sentences and reading and recalling information, I swear my brain has like a trigger when it's like a test and my brain's like, shut down. We we, we don't <laughs> remember anything we said. Um, and so having that extra time, I, I got, so the first test she gave me, I got like a C, like a low C, like barely eked it out. She gave me extra time, and I got a whole grade level, a grade up. And she was like, "What?" And I was like, That's, "That was just because my brain was like, we're not going to get locked out, so we're not going right. to get locked out." So, um, you know, uh, we yeah. can. And there's, we there's, can there's
0: actual that. science. Yeah, there's. Yeah, there's science behind that when you're anxious or when you're nervous, that your brain doesn't process things. Um, you know how we process things is in the back of our heads. And how it comes out is processed through the front of our heads, and so getting those things to coordinate with each other in order to be able to get any information out um, is is very difficult. And so I've had several students tell me this, you know, similar things like, "Well, I I want the extra time, but I never seem to need the extra time," and I think that was why it was, and they didn't as a, as a kid, they didn't understand, you know, that's what was happening is, oh, I'm, I'm more relaxed when I know that I have more time and I'm not going to be told, okay, time's up. You have to stop. Right. So, and, and something think, you said. Uh, about the
1: Going into that with the schools too, I think, um, I didn't look, so don't mess and don't offend anybody, but I didn't look how they thought I should look. So they thought sometimes I think some of my teachers um, didn't think I really needed it. Like I was like, for some reason, wanted it or was like holding on to it. And so I think it's really important to educate, um, especially at the the high school level, um, about and having a good resource teacher. My resource teacher, um, they call it different things, different parts yeah. of the country, but so my intervention where I went, who managed my IEP, who was my help, be my advocate, several times had to go down and say, look, you don't have to understand it, what you know, whatever, but this is what's on the IEP. This is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And I need you to not give her a hard time. And so really teaching your kids to, be a self-advocate, understand um, if at all possible, how to um, express that, like I'm allowed to go to this room for testing. So in high school, I started going to a different location. It was very intimidating when the whole class is done with a test and you're still like one fourth or halfway through. And that pressure that you're always finishing last. So for me, Mm -hmm. again, just leaving the area and going to a separate area for testing allowed me not to focus on um, the kids that are just really good memorizers that can just whip through the test and or the kids who are just doing a pattern and they don't care, but you don't know which one it is and and you're finishing last. (laughs) So just really, those were the type of things that I had to say, well, that's an accommodation in my IEP. And if you don't like it, we can talk to the case manager, but at this time, I'm taking my test and I'm leaving. (laughs) I'm going to the location. So um, that's, I think that's another reason why I have been able to overcome and, and do the different careers that I wanted and the different things is because I reached out for help. I knew what things, um, I really needed. And that's one thing that my elementary teacher, my resource teacher really, really instilled is you're not dumb. Your brain processes things a different way. You learn a different way and mm-hmm. we just need to figure out what way that is for you and then use these strategies. So I would say, I call them workaround strategies and I just mm-hmm. really encourage teachers to know that they are making a difference. Cause like I said, I'm turning 40 this year and I still remember the workaround strategies the words that she said and her belief in me and the work that she did really helped me have the confidence to keep going because she believed that I could. And my mom mm-hmm. always laughs. I, as soon as I was diagnosed, the first thing I said was, well, can I still go to college? And my teacher was like, you're worrying about college? And I was like, yeah, I really <laughs> want to go to college. So in like second I grade, had,
0: you were worried about college. Yeah, I was.
1: Um, I I wanted to go to college. I had this whole you know, thing. And and that's the kind of student I was. And so she, my mom just laughed and laughed. She's like, you, that teacher almost fell off her chair. Would you <laughs> say, well, can I still go to college? Um, that was my biggest worry. But she assured me I could, you know, and 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 I could do it. And that this wasn't going to, you know, stop me from from doing whatever I wanted. And so that's important to be. And you might be the only one in that child's life that that right. believes that they can do different things. You might be the only one encouraging them and being that because if different family members don't understand different people, they might not be that source of uh, fuel for that child. And that's really important for kids to hear that, that they can accomplish the different things. T- um, and that this, if you choose not to do it, it's because you choose not to do it, not because of this label or, Right. You know the disability you might need. Um, you know, Hannah needs different walkers and gait trainers and different things. But when she has those things, she she runs in the Special Olympics races and she participates in the different things um, with her assistive uh, devices. And so sometimes that's all the kids need, and then they can right. be off to races themselves. Right. So.
0: Exactly. And that is exactly why I've started the hashtag No Limits because as you as you mentioned for yourself you know even in college people were thinking that oh well you you don't have the learning disability anymore it just somehow it just went away you know but so there was a limit put on you because they felt like it should have stopped and you didn't need these accommodations anymore and you had to prove somehow that you still needed those accommodations and with Hannah and all the limits that somebody would would see her in her chair and think, oh, she can't walk. And yet you and your husband were helping her navigate stairs at a park. Um, And that just is, you know, that was one of the things that I thought that's a no limits, you know, because I'm sure at some point in Hannah's life, you, you were told she might not ever walk or she won't walk. And instead of accepting that and okay, you all have continued to help her, and she has the drive to want to do it as well. Um, and the communication, you know, I mean, I I've, um, I've worked with many students who are nonverbal, and when we found, um, what's the AA stand for? Alternative aug- Yeah,
1: alternative alternative okay. communication.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's a mouthful. Um, I I always forget what I'm like, I know they're, they're something like this, but yeah. And so when we found devices like that for some of our kids and we were able to have them tell us what we kind of thought they were thinking, but it, it was always what we thought they were thinking, not necessarily really what they were thinking and, you know, having the ability to express themselves and get their thoughts and their wants and their desires out to other people, um, there there are so many ways that that people are hashtagging no limits for themselves. You know, you yourself having a specific learning disability and being a mom, which is not a limitation, but it is in the sense that when you went to get that bill passed, they're like, well, who are you working for? Who are you lobbying for? You know, we inadvertently put limits on people And until we are face-to-face with the fact that you're trying to limit me just because of a way that you think, we don't realize that that's what we're doing. And so I'm hoping that through the hashtag no limits and the more of these that get done and the more of these that are out there and the more people that watch them, that people will stop and think, am I putting a limit? On whomever, for whatever reason, um, by my thinking of, oh, they can't do this. I, as a special education teacher, um, I had parents and I had teachers telling me that there were people all around them telling them that their kids couldn't do certain things, um, and the it it just bothered me um, <gasps> because <laughs> there's my dog, so um, <laughs> so I, I I'm really. Thankful that you came on and shared everything that you shared today, because you don't realize that I don't think. But throughout your entire time that you were talking, you were constantly sharing about limits that had been placed on you, or on Hannah, or on your students with, um, you know, the the um, the veterans, the the um, uh, the grownups who are first now getting a communication device. You know, all of those things were limits that were put on those different situations and all of them have been busted through and so I just that excites me because that's how we're going to change the world and make it a better place is if we get the word out and we don't stop working towards busting through those limits that and I don't think anybody puts these limits on maliciously it just It's how it's just the thought that we have, like, Oh, they can't do that. Or, Oh, they're, you know, they don't need that. You know, like the parent you said that was like, Oh, you're, Oh, you're going to be that way. You're going to talk to me about when I die. But sometimes we have to, because we we've placed limits that we don't realize, realize we've placed on people.
1: And thinking it is, it is somewhat working now, but Mm -hmm. it's not going to work big picture. And, Allowing him to have a voice that anyone can understand is really, really powerful. And so I appreciate you having me on and being able to talk about it. I think it's so important. One thing that we're always trying to really push with, especially with um, the AAC devices, is presume competency, presume the ability to learn and see what happens when we do approach it that way and teach that way. And that's kind of the heart of what you're saying is let's presume that they can and see where they can go rather than putting a limit. Because if we set the bar here and they, and then we we never move it, then we don't know what their true potential could have been if it's never been offered or it's never been um, presented in a way that they could learn a different way to, to achieve it. So I do appreciate it.
0: And I hope you have a good day. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Bye-bye.